Welcome to BBC's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website at ballamvineyard.org or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. All right, good evening, church. Welcome. I hope you've had a good uh, day today. So today we're going to carry on our series, which is looking at different Bible characters. So um, some of you might have already heard some of the other spirit-filled talks on various other characters in the Bible. And I think they've given us plenty of food for thought and challenge um, over the past couple of weeks. And uh, whether it was about Haggai um, or being in relationship with God or David and uh, Heart for Repentance, but all of them, they're on the podcast online and you're able to go and, and listen to them. And for those of you that have heard the podcast, or indeed for those of you that have not heard the podcast, um, this, is, uh, this is significant because Steve came to me about two weeks ago, and uh, he said, um, Paul, well, your voice does the intro of uh, the podcast, and then it's, I'm a bit concerned because it's just going to go straight into your voice doing, doing the talk. So I want there to be a distinction, maybe another type of voice. So uh, for one time only... There you get to have this distinction. Welcome to BBC's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website at bellinvineyard.org or find us on SoundCloud. There you go. You can use that if you want. <laughs> but you will be happy to know or maybe slightly disappointed that I won't be doing any more accents throughout my talk. So that's it. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Another time, Steve. Another time. I've got to save them, you know. I've got to bank them up. So, so my Bible character. Let's get along to that. Um, so I've been feeling. I feel led to share about someone who's slightly different to the characters that we've um, had before. Um, we've had a number of great characters, but they have been an entourage of of all men so far. So I'm happy to announce that I'm going to mix it up a little bit and talking about an amazing woman of the Bible. Yes, I am very excited about this. So today, uh, we are going to have a little glimpse at the strength and honor of Hannah. So why Hannah, might you ask? Well, apart from the fact that there are many Hannahs in our church congregation, they're all wonderful, they're all amazing, um, and though this talk is not all about each and individual one, you know, all of them, but they all deserve to be celebrated, all deserve to be celebrated. But actually, I, I thought about Samuel because... Um, I thought about Hannah, sorry, because I, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking of Samuel initially. Wow. And I was thinking, well, I want to talk about Samuel because he, he really hears God and then he goes and he, he serves him. And when I started reading the beginning of 1 Samuel, I looked at chapters 1 and 2 and I was really struck by um, Hannah's story, particularly the fact that it's a, a story of struggle, of sacrifice, and it's an inspiration because um, she is you know, selfless um, and obedient. So in her story, um, and what we'll come to see is that there's a lot of sorrow, there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of redemption, thanksgiving, and it's a life which I think is poignantly illustrated by a prayer that she says, um, and we'll come to look at that a little bit later. But um, in order to understand where this prayer is coming from, we need to understand a bit more context, um, we need to understand what her story is, bear witness to it. 
So, um, Lindsay, if I could have the second slide. So, there was a, a man, a husband called Elkanah, and he had two wives. One was Peninnah and the other Hannah. Now, Peninnah was able to uh, conceive and give birth and had children with Elkanah, but Hannah was not. And as a family, they would go once a year from their small town to the big regional town where they would go to the temple and offer up sacrifices. So Elkanah would take some of the sacrifice and give them as portions to his family. So he would give portions to Peninnah and her children, but he would give double portions to Hannah because he loved her deeply. And for Hannah, this was kind of difficult to receive. Um, she had a lot of grief and a lot of sorrow, and she would often weep. And Peninnah would provoke her as well, would probably say things like, oh, you're not good enough as a woman, you can't give birth, you can't provide Elkanah with what he wants, children, sons even. And so she really took that to heart. And one time when she was at the temple, she had an amazing outpouring of her heart to God. And she was just saying that I'm a deeply troubled woman and I have a lot of grief and a lot of sorrow and my soul pours out to you, God. And in that moment, God heard her. She went away feeling a lot more peace and full of faith. And she went home. God heard her, as I said, and she was able to conceive. And she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel. So now it's important to pause here a moment. And before we go on and listen to, to her prayer and look at that, because Hannah and indeed us all, we all have a choice in our own circumstances to either react or respond. Lindsay, could I have the next slide, please? Oh, you're already there. Great. <laughs> I think you've heard this before, haven't you? Okay. So it was on the BBC uh, leadership course, which a number of us have done, um, that we looked at this, actually, specifically, how we can react and respond to different circumstances. So reaction in this context is slightly more impulsive. It's slightly more emotional, and it's ultimately self-seeking. So reaction in this context, if you look at Hannah, um, she may have reacted to Peninnah's provocation, as well as the bitterness, probably, of her own body not being able to conceive. You can imagine for her, she would ask questions like, you know, am I normal? You know, why me? You know, has this, is this my, my pain? Is this my suffering? Is this something that God has inflicted upon me? So she was carrying a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow, frustration, and probably even anger, anger at herself, anger at Penina, anger at Elkanah, probably, and even God. And this was built up over years, you can imagine that. And it probably became ingrained, a sort of a mindset that she just kept returning to, kept churning around in her head. And I think we can all relate maybe to, to some of that in our own lives. However, Hannah did respond, she did. And in her circumstances, she did it in such a godly way. She poured out her heart, and at that moment, she broke that cycle of grief and sorrow. And she made this vow, and this vow was simply that, Lord, if I can have a child, I will give this child back to you, and he will serve, or she will serve you. And that was Samuel. Now, this is important, because this is an illustration of her and this is a moment for her that she's letting go completely of her own control over this situation, her circumstances, her feelings. 
and even her future potential to be a mother, that identity that, that she so longs for. And this is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Because she, she might have been only able to conceive one child, just one, and then give it to the Lord. And then she might have not been able to conceive again. But her heart was ready for it. Really ready. She was, she was ready to risk it all. I think this is courageous. No, It's honorable. It's humbling and it's ultimately sacrificial. This is such a godly response. And a response asking God to use her situation, her circumstances, for the glory of his name and not for her own satisfaction. She came before the Lord and made a sacrifice offering of something that she wanted to possess more than anything else in this world. Yet she could not even give that sacrifice because it was physically impossible. Like it needed a miracle. I think this is an amazing display of surrendered faith. And I think it's natural for all of us as humans to either both react or respond. I can see that, you know, the perfect Christian thing to do would be to respond to everything, whether we're in moments of happiness or sadness or anger, to respond to God in that. But I think it's very reassuring to see someone as respected as Hannah do both. Example of my life is uh, when I was at university, I was about halfway through my time at university, and my family uh, went bankrupt. Um, we had to leave our home, uh, we had to sell some of our possessions, and we had to put some of the rest of our possessions in storage. Now for me at that time, I was being supported by my parents for paying tuition fees and, and the like, so I didn't really know what to do. I sort of felt like the rug from under me was just was pulled out. And I reacted. You know, I probably spent a week or two just sort of wrestling with the facts and asking myself, feeling so much sadness and anger at my situation and saying, you know, why can't my family be normal? Why can't my parents be normal with steady jobs? Why can't my family be free of debt? You know, why can't it just have a normal life? And the fear of losing my degree at that time and having to drop out, it was crippling. It was crippling. So there came a moment where I just had to give it all to God. You know, I just had to say, Lord... I lay this at your feet. Um, I let my future, whatever that may be, with degree or not, um, be for you. And then I waited. I had about two, three months. And at that time, I was still wrestling in my thoughts and feelings. But finally, after, after months, I was going just about my normal day. And I received a phone call from the university. And they said, well, Paul, we've, we have received your application. And we've reviewed, reviewed it. And we'd like to offer you a grant. And I was just so happy at that moment because it was complete, it's completely debt-free. Like, I don't have to, there's, there's nothing attached to it. It's graciously given. And in that moment, I just found myself just falling to my knees and just worshiping God, you know, crying out and being so, so thankful. And the, th the thing is that this didn't even stop there. God kept graciously giving. You know, he was able to, well, about a month later, a, a sort of educational fund uh, wanted to assist me with the rest of my, my bills, you know, with my, with my rent and so on. And that is just an absolute uh, amazing testament of, of what God can do in our lives. And so the point is here that if we let go of control and put faith in God, in our circumstances, submitting them to him, they can be used by him for miracles in our own lives and in the lives of others. So as we know, God answered Hannah with Samuel. 
We have an amazing God. He is all-powerful. He listens and he performs miracles. Hannah asked him in faith and obedience that can only be best described as a selfless request. And God heard and responded with Samuel. So we're going to go back to the story now. And um, we're going to pick up um, with Hannah bringing Samuel now. He's a bit, he's a bit older now. And he's, he's about to start his journey of, of walking with God and being trained. So as she drops him off, she says this prayer. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the, peace of, in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Wow! I mean, this is an amazing prayer and such an awesome response. It talks of God's authority, of his power, of his lordship and his faithfulness. You know, through all of this suffering that Hannah had experienced and at that exact moment when she physically had to hand over her firstborn son, her first fruits to God, she prays his prayer. And it's so humble, it's so selfless. Yet if you look at the words, it's said with such strength, I think, and confidence and fervor. She starts off with thanksgiving, saying, My heart rejoices in you, Lord. Her mouth boasts over her enemies, for she delights in her deliverance. She exalts his authority as holy as the rock. God's power and lordship is displayed in Hannah's expose of overcoming works of the enemy, of hunger, sickness and poverty, things that we see day in and day out in this world or might have experienced ourselves. Lastly, the faithfulness of God is glorified by lifting the needy from the ash heap and onto the throne and how now he guards the feet of his faithful servants against the wickedness. I think Hannah at this moment has truly arrived at a place where she has embraced God's lordship over her life and the joy that comes along with it. In this moment, she is so spirit-filled. And this is incredible because as I was doing this uh, research for today and looking at Hannah, um, I was able to flick forward and sneakily I'm going to put in another amazing woman of God um, because there bears her, Hannah's prayer bears a striking resemblance to another song that was sung by another amazing woman um, of God and that's Mary, Jesus' uh, mother. Next slide, please. 
So in Luke 1, uh, verses 46 to 55, Mary sings, and she's spirit-filled at this moment. She's visiting Elizabeth, and she sings of, of how her spirit rejoices, how she is so aware of, of what God is doing in her life, and how she feels blessed, and how you know, that God has scattered those who are, are proud in their innermost thoughts, and how God gives, hung, uh, gives to the hungry. And fulfills his promise to Abraham through, through his generations by using Mary. And I think this is good to recognize that at this moment, um, God has a plan. He has a plan and that we, we just don't always see. You know? There are thousands of years apart between Hannah and Mary. And yet they're able to say a prayer or a song that is so similar. And experience something that is so similar. Right? I mean, Hannah... Hannah gave Samuel back to God. And Samuel anointed David, right? Who's the king of Israel. And Jesus is descended from David. And who, who is Jesus? Well, he's the king over us all. And he made the ultimate sacrifice and even prayed through his suffering. You know, he was up there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Lord, is there any other way? Is there anyone else? No. He went freely to die. So I think the point is... Um, that if we give something to God, he can give it back to us tenfold. She gave her son to God. And then thousands, a thousand years later, God gave his son to everyone and for eternity. So he uses, you know, our circumstances and Hannah's circumstances for his plan, over thousands of years even. But he blessed Hannah personally in that moment. It says in uh, chapter 2, verse 21, that God was gracious to Hannah. How so? Well, she get, uh, he gave um, Hannah more children, three more sons and two daughters. Our God is gracious. He listens to our prayers. He sees our actions, and ultimately, he knows our hearts. So you shouldn't underestimate the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. For what you pray and do, God can use and multiply tens, hundreds, and even thousands of times based on what little faith and obedience you might have. So next slide, please. So here's another story from the Bible. Um, we find Jesus in John 6. He's uh, amongst a big, big crowd, and he's healing uh, people. And his disciples come up to him and say, Lord, we, we don't have enough food to feed these people. Send them away. And at that moment, uh, a boy comes forward, and he has small, five small loaves and two small fish. And many of you may know this story, but the outcome is that Jesus is able to multiply all this food, not only to satisfy the hunger of everyone that is there, but to have even more left over for them to take home. That little boy in that moment was willing to sacrifice what little he had despite the immense impossibility of feeding all of these thousands of people. And he couldn't do it, but Jesus could. This is a shameless plug for all of you people, but... Um, the kids, kids have great faith, and you can see that. So if any of you would like to join the kids' team, um, 
you're more than welcome to come and join me and look after the wonderful children and see that faith in action. See it. So <laughs> we all struggle with adversity. We do. Um, with our own circumstances, it can sometimes seem impossible to overcome, especially by, you know, by ourselves. So just like this little boy, we often feel that we don't have much to give. Or like Hannah, she didn't even have anything to give. You know, she just had an idea, an if. If I had a son, I would give it to you. So like Hannah, we carry um, emotional and uh, physical pain, I think, throughout our lives to varying, various degrees. Yet God is constant in all of that. He wants relationship with us, and he has sent his son to die freely so that, you know, we can be without shame and guilt. Even if we have nothing, Jesus has given it all and has given it freely. We just have to ask, ask for, you know, him to come into our lives and we can freely receive. God longs for us to be in relationship with him. He really does. And he, he, he knows our suffering. And he doesn't want us to necessarily just react to it. For he knows, he understands, he feels it in your heart. But he wants you to respond to him about it. Come to him, humbly lay it down, your circumstances, and see that, you know, by faith, God will be able to, to work miracles in your life and the lives of others for good and for his glory. I think I, and, and maybe you all, long for the faith and joy in obedience that Hannah has displayed and in her relationship with God. I think in my own life, I have had glimpses of this graciousness, uh, like my time at university, and I've seen it time and time again in my life. So where does this leave us? Well, um, Hannah responded to God with her heart, in her circumstances, to be used by him for his kingdom and his purpose. And we can do the same, day in and day out. We all, regardless of our circumstances and the suffering that we might face, we can come in faith and humbly lay our hearts to respond to our dad. Because our dad is powerful. He is authoritative. He is compassionate and he is faithful. Give it all to him. He says, come. For there is grace in reaction and there is power in a godly response. So maybe if the band can come up now, I think this is a good time to think about, you know, what is it in your life that you would like to perhaps lay down? What is it that you struggle with? What is it that, that torments you, maybe? You know, what's in your heart? What's crying out from it? Is it pain? Is it physical or emotional? And don't get me wrong, Jesus, I mean, God is not some sort of like vending machine. You can't sort of go to him and say like, uh, yeah, I have this, can, can I have that? And I like it right now, and I like it exactly how it is. No, it won't uh, necessarily happen like that. Um, but when we lay down things dearest to us, and when we pour out our hearts to him, and when we're willing to make sacrifices to him, then he can do amazing things, right? Absolutely. Things that we can't control, we have to relinquish control. But um, when we do, then we're firmly in God's plans, right? We're putting him in control and not, not our own. 
things that are not just for us, but are for the whole kingdom, for everyone. So as, as the band begin to play, and, and you're welcome to stand now, um, I want to take this time just to, to search, search your own heart. Now, what ideas have you been longing for? What things perhaps um, have you been idolizing or, or that you worry about? What can you lay down before God today? What can you give God control over and see amazing things happen? If there is anything, absolutely anything, I mean small, big, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can come here, you can stand before the cross. You can come here and stand at the front and people will come and stand alongside you and pray with you. We love to pray with you. And we're waiting for you to do so. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our BBC speakers.